Welcome, everybody, uh, back to another episode of the Arthur Companies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Erickson. I'm here in Pillsbury today with Brandon Hokana. Brandon, how are you doing? Doing amazing. That's amazing. That's good. Yes, uh, it, it is halfway cloudy. Looks like it might rain today. Yeah, it does. It just might. It's been a little bit hazy too. So, so Brandon, it's good to have you back. The last time you were uh, you were here on the show, we talked adjuvants. Um, that's it's been a while now, hasn't it? Yes, it has. I don't yeah. know where the last few months went, but it go, goes incredibly fast when we're trying to raise a crop. Yeah, it it has gone quick. That's right, and the crop looks pretty good, really, all things considered. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all all things considered, with our drier weather pattern this summer, things look better than expected. Uh, but it definitely does raise some more challenges for this fall, which uh, we'll tap in on today. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's there's very little moisture out there, and uh, I think we've all had fairly. We've fought the pessimistic view that the crop's about to die, and it hasn't. But there's not much moisture in the soil, so we have to go into fall pretty uh, conservative. So correct, yes, yeah. uh, conserving uh, moisture from you know any fall rains that we get here, uh, having them available for next spring to get next year's crop up and going is going to be vitally important. Right. Yeah. Which is why we've we've talked we've chosen to talk today on residue management. So. At the end of harvest, uh, well, actually before harvest, uh, what are we doing to control our residue here? So, Brandon, why don't you kind of just start us off with where you would go? So, your combine is more than just uh, reaping grain off of this year's uh, this year's crop. The back end of your combine has one very important tool that is going to help set you up for success for next year. That is the chopping and spreading mechanisms on the back end of your combine. Yeah, they are very important for making sure that you have a field surface that is capable to be handled next spring, either in a true no-till or minimum till system. And with our dryer pattern here, moving into these you know, lighter tillage practices, especially in our eastern side of the state here, where we typically do uh, very heavy tillage in the fall, uh, we may not be able to do that this fall because of dryness. So having your combine set properly is going to help with no-till and minimum till systems going into next spring. Yeah, and it's often overlooked. Um, we spend a lot of time getting our, our combines cleaning the grain efficiently. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time worrying about our chaff spreading and straw spreading, at least not in you know the, the, the eastern half of the state where we do a lot of business. Um, it's usually, it, it's not first on our priority list. When it comes to setting a combine specifically, so, and most of... Most of today's farmers have combines that have some pretty intricate settings on the back of their combine. Yes, yeah, and some are being underutilized yeah. for what the technology that is there and paid for already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and even starting on the front side of the combine, there's things that need to be addressed there as well for taking care of residue management. Uh, for I mean, prime example is going to be on corn heads. Most. Uh, producers have switched over to chopping corn heads. That heavy mat on the soil, yes, will help uh, shade the soil from more evaporation. However, it can make no-tilling into that stover next spring more difficult. Ideally, you would want to unhook your chopping mechanism on your corn heads and leave stock standing 
straight sure. up so there is actually black soil there for next spring to plant into sure yep so that that's an you know even on the front side of the combine that is one setting that is needs to be looked at prior to entering corn harvest this fall yeah yeah you know going back out the back end i mean they're just good maintenance overall of the chopping and spreading mechanisms is is something that needs to be looked at. Make sure you have char- sharp knives mm-hmm. on your choppers. Make sure your pulleys and belts uh, or your dri- whatever your drive mechanism on your combine is, that all them parts are in good repair and are actually turning that chopping mechanisms at the proper RPMs. Uh, guys like with the or with your John Deere combines that have the power tailboards on the back, the uh, powered uh, uh, straw spreaders, make sure you know how to change the RPMs on them. Sure. And turn them up if you need to. Make sure you're spreading that residue out the whole width of the header. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brandon, at, at, at what point in the generations of, of combines have uh, has, have the biggest technology jumps hap- occurred in regards to spreading chaff? Well, we, I mean, every every generation of combine has added new It's a techn- little better. It's a little better. It's a little better. And as we increase... Um, header width that technology needed to come further along yeah. we've gone from 20 foot uh, platform heads for taking wheat off to 45 uh, foot flex drapers now for taking soybeans so the yeah. the spreading and residue management out the back back end of the combines has required advancements in the technologies yeah yeah and you know uh, uh, another thing to consider too is also make sure that you don't have a header that is too big for your combine. Sure. Let's not be trying to shove a 45-foot uh, flex draper on the front of a uh, uh, front of a John Deere 9610. Sure. Yeah, it yep. might be able to combine short beans, uh, which it looks like we'll have this year. Right. But that doesn't mean you can spread the chaff yeah. and spread the residue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's something, too. I mean, it, it, to some degree, um, boy, older combines do show their... They show their weakness when it comes to chaff spreading, from in, in my opinion. So if you have if you have the time, if you have the luxury, and there's th- this might be the year where it it is un- unfortunately that way where you've got dry day after dry day to combine. If you can park the ninety six ten for the year, this might be the year to do so. Yes, I mean, it, it, yeah, it makes you efficient, it makes you fast, and it's still a comfortable combine that chews up the grain, but. Uh, perhaps it's the year to to make sure your chaff gets spread out evenly and park that one for a couple quarters. Yeah, correct. Yeah. A- and the other, there is uh, several manufacturers out there that have made uh, some wonderful aftermarket kits for some of these sure. older combines to make them yep. better at residue management. This might be the year for that investment. Yep. Uh, if you are planning on not doing as much tillage or no tillage this fall, it takes some of that fuel investment dollar and invest it back into your combine yep. and have it ready to spread residue yeah. where it needs to be and set yourself up for a better, better situation for next spring. Yep. Okay, so let's, let's switch gears here. We've already combined our crop. What can we do about residue management in dry conditions? So in dry conditions, uh, you know, ideally we're going to want to eliminate tillage as many tillage practices as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, heavy, heavy tillage such as uh, you know chisel plowing, uh, moreboard plowing, 
uh, things of that nature, you're going to do a couple things. We're going to continue to dry the soil out uh, from that tillage pass. And then also with having bare soil this winter, if we do end up with an open winter again, we'll have blowing fields, which yeah. that was, uh, as you remember from last winter, I, there was a lot of dirt moving around throughout the winter when we did get some windy days. Yeah, yeah. Brandon, so do you have more guys looking at strip till? Yes. Uh, strip tillage has been a uh, higher piece of, uh, you know, questions this summer on the ability to use strip tillage. Yeah. That is a that is a beautiful compromise between full tillage systems and minimum till. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from from an ag- agronomic standpoint, uh, strip tillage has a lot of benefits. Uh, it does require a lot of labor in the fall. Yeah. Or in the spring, yeah. uh, there's a learning curve to using the equipment properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there is, it seems, uh, amongst the people that do strip till, uh, there's people are more apt to share information with each other oh about yeah. perfecting the systems. Yeah, it's it's inexpensive. Those those uh, pieces of uh, equipment to get in are, they'll kind of there's some sticker shock. In regards to tillage equipment, right? Yes. It's not just your chisel plow or your Salford kind of price tag to get a good strip tiller. But on a year like this, and, and, and you know, we're back-to-back years here where one fall, you didn't have any chance to get any strip tilling done in the fall. And then you know, last year, you had plenty of time. Ironically, I actually just talked to a strip tiller not that long ago who um, still waited till spring because the soil was just so, it was so rock solid. And and we might have that problem this fall again for strip tillers. Yes, if we don't, uh, you know, we're sitting here in early August or late July right now, and if we don't catch some rainfall between now and mm-hmm. when we complete soybean harvest or corn harvest, um, fall tillage of any sort could be really difficult. It could, yeah, yeah. You know, the you know you talk about the price tag on strip tilling. Yes, the equipment is, is expensive, but. Uh, a quick reminder on that is you're doing more than just tillage with that piece of equipment. It is a fertilizer delivery system. Yeah. It is a seedbed building system yeah. and a primary tillage system. So yeah. it's three machines moved into one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely in, it, if we persist in this environment, um, it is, it's, it's a great solution for the central part of North Dakota. Yes, and even into the eastern side of the Absolutely. state too. It is a, it is a nice compromise, uh, but the yeah there, are some hurdles to it w- with the manpower that is needed for it to run it in the fall. Yeah, typically yep. that is manpower that's used for uh, harvest operations. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're so you're so you're not a strip tiller. Um, you've you spread your chaff out as as best as you possibly can. Uh, are there other solutions that we can, uh, you know, can, can use to manage our, our residue, Brandon? Yeah, uh, we've seen, uh, you know, heavy harrows have been used for years in order mm-hmm. to help distribute straw. Uh, it's better than nothing. It kind of stirs the, the straw around a little bit. It doesn't, you can still see some waves in a harrow field uh, yeah. the following year with emergence, right? Yep. 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 Yeah, it, you know, there, there's uh, times and places where harrows work better better than others. Uh, you know, selecting proper weather conditions and that, too, for when you are actually harrowing fields is important yep. as well. One, you know, warm, dry. Uh, dry straw moves around a lot easier than wet straw does. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, there, yeah. Harrows are a place uh, 
that this is a tool that's in the toolbox, but uh, it's not foolproof. Uh, uh, if you do a, if you have a bad job out the back of the combine, the hero is not gonna, not sure. gonna fix all yep. of the issues created. Yep. Yep. Is there? Do you do you find different practices work different for different residues, whether that be wheat, soybeans, or corn? Yes. Yeah. Different practices are needed for all three different crops. Uh, soybeans. Uh, distribution of that distribution of that stover out the whole width of the header is matters is very very important harrowing soybean stover just does not does nothing powder powders up breaks the soil pads down on the surface and really opens us up for blowing Mm -hmm. Uh, behind wheat uh, again you can move straw around a little bit with it but it's not ideal Uh, still it comes back to that combine do as best a job as you can to have the combine spread its straw back out over the whole width of the header. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, other things that, uh, you know, maybe uh, considered this fall uh, is, uh, you know, the value of hay and straw is uh, through the roof. So we are seeing a lot of straw that is getting bailed, bailed off, getting bailed off of small grain fields. That is a, another way for residue management. If your combine isn't capable of spreading the whole width or chopping yep. it up the way that you wanted to, drop it and take the extra revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's uh, it's a net negative for soil moisture con- conservation, uh, but it, it certainly does re- remove that problem for the next spring's planting season. So yes, yes, it uh, does. Uh, that's uh, you know for the area I grew up at and. In Dickey County, North Dakota, for early 2000s, guys were really trying to get into uh, minimum till situations, but the equipment technology wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. It was very common uh, for a lot of corn stover to be bailed. Sure. Yep. Uh, if you look at the nutrient removals on that. It's it not <laughs> a great thing. No. It's not a great uh, practice. No. Uh, however, it was, some th- it was a tool in the toolbox to yep. allow for no-till of soybeans the following year yeah you know it, it, again the frustrating part is we're we're about 18 months removed from a time where really burning corn stover made sense burn burning burning cattail slews made a lot of sense where now you you're not going to let a match this fall so it's it changes from year in year out i i think one of the best middle ground solutions is really good trash whippers yes yeah that that is a piece of uh piece of equipment in yep. the springtime if you are going to be looking at doing less tillage this fall uh which is probably going to be forced upon us due to ground conditions yeah really good trash whips on the front of your planter next spring are going to yep. be a mandatory investment yep. uh, ideally uh, pneumatic or hydraulic uh, controlled so you can Make adjustments on the fly as you change residue going across the field. Yeah, yeah, really, really good, uh, really good way to kind of uh, bridge that bridge that gap between actually strip tilling, which is again um, a great solution, and uh, and not tilling at all, which can sometimes lead to that that wavy look of a emerged field the next spring. Yep, yeah, you get that concentrations of uh, the previous crops, uh, straw or stover. Uh, Getting a good seed bed underneath that, or even seed bed, is difficult. Uh, but good trash whips on the front of the planter, good openers, uh, 
you know, for my home farm there, we've made the transition to very minimum till systems. And, you know, we found uh, as we eliminated fall tillage, it wasn't just selling off that fall tillage equipment. We had to take that dollar and invest it back into our planter. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is sharp blades. It yeah. is good gauge wheels. It is good trash rips. It is very... It is higher maintenance on the planter, no-till and minimum-till systems. Uh, so don't think of, uh, you know, as a true cost savings, so I can get, you know, sell off the chisel plow or I'm not going to have the expense into tillage this fall. Uh, there will be some investment back into your planting equipment that is needed to be truly successful. Yep. yep. All good discussion, Brandon. All good discussion. So I think we're going to wrap up our conversation here on residue management. We're going to cut this one just a hair short. And we're actually going to come right back with, to you guys with, uh, with a little talk on current pests on the insect side of things here. So uh, with that, uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll, we'll talk to you just in a couple minutes again, at least in our world. So thanks for joining us.